Warning, this podcast contains no journalistic integrity. Welcome to the Gentleman's Soapbox. going to start off today with a continuing of a discussion that we had last time. Uh, one that I knew was going to get feedback. I didn't know exactly where it was going to come from, but it was one of those landmines that we stepped on that I knew somebody was going to have something to say about. Well, we had three or four of those last week. Which one are you in particular well, the, are you the, referring the, the to? The one I'm, gonna, I'm particularly referring to is trans athletes. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, no, we did talk about that. Somebody sent me a TikTok where someone laid out a bunch of statistics showing that trans athletes and even Leah Thomas, the young woman that we were speaking about in the specific, um, were not as successful as um, anti-trans athletes would like you to believe. Um, it was actually a very interesting way to look at it, and but unfortunately it came from TikTok, and I have as much faith in TikTok as I have in, well, any other media outlet. So you uh, you took to researching it, I take it? Yes, I did. Now, okay. Now, uh, a couple of things. Now, first of all, what she said in her TikTok with regards to other trans athletes uh, she was actually correct. Some of them have actually not done very, very well. The the ones in, or the um, most notorious one that she brought up was um, the young woman who was an Austra- who was an Australian weightlifter, previously a male, now a female, um, and does weightlifting and really didn't even qualify for the Olympics. Went to the Olympics as part of the Australian team, but did not even qualify for the finals. Wow. Um, so th- there's that. However, the TikToker did bring up some losses, apparently, that Leah Thomas had had. And I, I do have to say that some of the th- that that whole portion of her argument was rather disingenuous because I went through Leah Thomas's um, NCAA record, which is on the NCAA website, and was kind of floored now she does that what the tiktoker used against her was apparently leah thomas has a talent for longer races okay endurance exactly so the shorter races she is not very good at but the longer races to say that she has dominated them since she got into women's swimming would be a dramatic understatement and she's beating people not just by milliseconds but by full-on seconds. And compared to when she was swimming for the men's team, in which she did get a couple of firsts here and there, but was generally coming in around fourth or fifth. Hmm. Uh, but there was also something else I found, which I couldn't really come up with a whole lot of explanation for, but it was just, I thought, was kind of funny that wasn't even brought into this young TikToker's argument was the fact that if you flip this around, if you look at women who have transitioned into men's sports, that's actually been very successful. 
Right on. Okay. Women who have transitioned into men's track and field sports have done very well. So I nailed, I boiled this down to a couple of things. I had a interesting conversation that actually preceded all of this with my daughter, who is very much into the whole concept of. Um, I, I was going to use the uh, um, uh, African American comic. Um, why am I forgetting his name? That nails it down. Yeah, I know. Uh, Dave Chappelle. Ah. I was going to use his term of alphabet people, but I'll just try to be a little bit more polite and say LGBTQ+, because I cannot remember all the rest of the letters. Uh, she's very much into those issues. Uh, and we had talked about this when it first became a issue, uh, or at least a n- notary issue, um, several months ago. And she had said something that has now popped back up again, which is what we need to really do is try at some point is to find a different metric to allow things to stay fair, yet in, yet allow them to be inclusive. So rather than using simply using men versus women, uh, you know, like boxing, they use weight, some yeah. other metric. And all of that. Well, yeah, but that's not fair either, because there's women's boxing and men's boxing, and both use weight. But if you put a man of the same size up against a woman, he's going to kick the crap out of her. And that, so that kind of goes into my final thought on all of this. And part of this is going to piss people off, and part of it may or may not. The idea that sex and gender are social constructs is somewhat misleading because they may very well, well, sex is a biological construct, gender is a social construct, but both of them are evolved constructs. They have evolved over time uh, from things that, though may not necessarily work now, have worked very well for society in the past. But the thing is, 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 the part where people start to get themselves into a lot of arguments is the assumption that the evolution has to have stopped. It doesn't have to stop. We we haven't reached the pinnacle of social evolution. It's going to continue. God, I hope not, because this if this is it, we have definitely taken a wrong turn somewhere. And, and that's what I'm saying is, is we haven't reached that pinnacle of social evolution. So what we are is continuing to evolu- evolve in the way we interact with each other be it via sex, gender, race, whatever it may be, I, my supposition is is that though we're still evolving, we're just doing a piss-poor job of doing it. Well, maybe. I can't really argue with that particular statement. And that being part of how we're dealing with athletics, it needs to evolve. How does it evolve? Fuck if I know. But the male versus female metric is, over time no longer going to work i could i could honestly agree that it needs to evolve i i don't know how that would work just from the the standpoint of okay like if you let's say you just took all the the framework out and just said okay there is a team of sports ball x you know whatever sport it is 
well, compete for that team and let's and may the best person win. It's going to be a team of men, generally speaking. Well, you are going to have a few outliers of women who can compete with the men, but that's absolutely not, not but, going to be the norm. But if your dream is to become a, a famous athlete or, or you know the next whatever, um, and you're a woman and you're competing against men who are bigger and stronger than you, you're never going to play. I mean, you're you're never going to be on a team. So I I, I don't know. Well, and maybe there's a and actually, I don't know. And actually so that's that's my final answer. Someone else, someone smarter than me, needs to come up with us smarter than us. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't going to drag you down to my level. Because if you turn this around and go, Sean, what do you think? I'm going to go. Oh, oh, oh. But but I guess the best way to put it is is that the the process needs to continue to evolve and. There are going to be some people who are going to be pissed at my statement because, no, it's perfect the way it is. There's some mm. people who are going to be pissed at my statement because they want it now, damn it. Um, it, it and it doesn't work that way. No. No, I, I don't I, I don't think it does anymore. So... Uh, so so as I said, it's just kind of one of those things that it, I guess it, this may even go back to my common complaint. It's a discussion that needs to happen that nobody wants to have. Oh man, that's that is that is for sure, and it's and it's a and it's going to be proven out in the crucible of of junior athletics right not like not professional stuff because there's money attached to that it'll be in schools like colleges or high school or junior high or something like that it'll be that's where the crucible will happen and of and because, i it's because, gonna be so said, messy but it, because as you said professional sports is going to do what professional sports does and what professional everything does it's going to follow the money right so and that's the, just so yeah all of this decision making discussion Evolution, if we want to continue to use that term, is going to happen, as you said, high school, college, etc., as it moves forward. And eventually, as the market opens, it'll hit professional sports as well. Now, this is going to happen if it happens, if people are smart enough to let it happen, over decades, not even years. But the yeah. point where we're going to run into the contention is, is there's people who want it to happen tomorrow and and that's not something that I, I don't think you can force that fast i mean there i mean look at what happened in florida about the what is it the don't say gay law and stuff like that i mean look because i think that was signed in as this cast is recorded signed in yesterday or today or something like that and, and, um, and the worst part about it is is that you've got people on both sides of the argument who upset have yeah. no concept of what the law actually even says right what it is they just know they disagree with it Right. It doesn't and, matter and, what it and says. The, and the funny thing is, is that also as part of also what came out of uh, the conversation with my daughter, which kind of caught me off guard and made me rather proud of her. is she looked at me dead in the eye and said, the problem is, is that both sides are full of shit. Well, that girl's got her head screwed on straight on that one. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, yeah. And as I said, somebody who is very, very pro LGBTQ plus. <laughs> and and she she and she'll have no hesitation to tell you that even her side is full of shit. I uh, I can't disagree with that. <laughs>
Well, um, I got a uh, – speaking of landmines we stepped on, I got one. Oh, I mean, at some point we have to, as I euphemistically and jokingly and punningly put it, we have to talk smack. <laughs> we do and we will. Uh, but I got I got one from the other day, or I can't remember how many casts it was ago. But do you remember uh, a couple of times ago in the cast I was speaking about how I thought it was my responsibility to have – a new vehicle and an apartment and a certain and a good job and a certain amount of money and, and all that kind of stuff before I got married to or before I proposed to Shannon. So I had my my shit in order. Right. Oh, OK. No. And I, re I remember you saying at the time, there's going to be somebody <laughs> who is wildly offended <laughs> that you would even have such a notion. Well, I got a text from said person. <laughs> Are you a toxic male? I know Man. I'm a toxic male. I mean, let's, let's I, well, I, th I think we all are, apparently, because I, I thought I was trying and I and I'm trying to explain it. And she listens to this cast, okay. apparently, on and off. I'm, I'm going to interject with you real quick, just because, you know, we've done, you know, we have our um, uh, gun owners anonymous that we do on the other one. Absolutely. Hi, I'm Jake. I'm addicted to buying firearms. OK, so hi, I'm Jake. I'm a toxic male. Not only <laughs> do do I ignore pain not only do i ignore sleep to go to work not only do i pretend to to everyone around me that i have zero emotions and just swallow them up i am a toxic male i not only, minute, not only that i also believe that it is my job to provide for my family you bastard uh, oh, no no as i said i'm a toxic male I, I listen to a lot of what they refer to as toxic masculinity. I think the one thing that I don't fall into is the fact that I'm every bit willing and honestly able to accept the idea of therapy. That is the only part of toxic masculinity that I don't have. You know what's funny is I listen. I I, I have a TikTok channel, um, Retired Stormtrooper, if you're ever interested, um, for both of you who listen to this. But uh, there's um, – actually, that's not true. We – have a TikTok channel. I was about to say that I'm the only one whose page is on the channel. We, sorry, Goose. Uh, we have a TikTok channel. <laughs> um, that's Top Gun reference for anybody who uh, who was born in the '90s or 2000s. We, sorry, Goose. Um, Jake gets it. He was there. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I was actually. I was just thinking that that's probably one thing that is just not going to be in the new movie. Any of that sort of just classic no. interaction is not. Oh God, it was so freaking good. I, I I loved Goose so much. He was he was like the heart of the whole movie, and then they killed him. It's sort of like in Final Fantasy VII when they kill Ariel, and you're like, nah! I still won't play a healer, right? Uh, like because <laughs> of the trauma from that. Anyway. <laughs> hey, I still can't get over the trauma when you and one of your fellow podcasters made me suddenly realize that I had gotten roped into a chick flick when it came to Top Gun. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, go back and watch Top Gun. Top Gun is a chick flick with it, airplanes to bring the men in. It is a that is exactly what it is. And we I, were I we were adamant it until Sean and one of his at that time compatriots told me so. 
Oh, and it is, because we were talking about it. We had this whole big thing. We'll get to what I'm talking about here in a minute, I promise, guys. But we're gonna, I apologize. I'm, I had to interject this one. No, we're, I'm going to tell you that story in a minute, but I'm, first we're going to stop that story so I can tell you this one. No, we did have that conversation because we were sitting around the grill, and I'm like, you know Top Gun's a chick flick, right? And he, and, and this this man grew up on an Air Force base with planes, and Top Gun was like the holy grail for him. And he's like, you shut your mouth. I'm like, no, really, it's a chick flick. Okay, think about it. <laughs> I started listing up. They introduced the character. He's They literally named him Maverick. He's a bad boy with a heart of gold. Just wait, stop me when this sounds familiar. And he has trouble relating. And he has daddy issues. And he's sad. And he needs this woman to fix his life. And they have a homoerotic volleyball scene. And this dude drops a stake on the ground. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> so we had to go up <laughs> right then and watch Top Gun with notes. So that, uh, And I'm like, okay, now watch, watch, watch. You know, this is the same as a romantic comedy. Watch. He's going to do this, and she's going to come, and she's going to comfort him, and he's going to realize that she is, is capable of fixing his broken soul, right? <laughs> and he's going to get... He's going to get advice from his best friend, Tom Skerritt, about how he can relate to this and how he can go back and fix it. And at the end, she's going to leave, but not really leave because she's going to. And he's like, oh, my God, this is and like we sat there in stunned silence or he sat there in stunned <laughs> silence after we watched it. He's like, oh, my God, this is a chick flick. I, I've been I'm like, now you're John Hammond <laughs> from Jurassic Park. Um, like now, only at the end do you understand. Like this is, it, it, it's crazy. So, anyway, Top Gun's a chick flick. I'm just saying. Like the whole, the, I mean, all of it made like the homoerotic volleyball scene, everybody's shirtless, the shower scene with the guys. This is a chick flick. Right? They've just dressed it up so men would buy the ticket. Guys, Fantastic. Guys do not hang out in locker rooms in their tighty whities sweating, yeah. having conversations. Yeah, like like uh, you don't see Val Kilmer with his perfectly toned abs, just like Captain Morganing on a bench, pontificating on on the life and times of what's going on. Like guys, it, that's not a locker room. Okay, it's it doesn't happen like like the Iceman doesn't just lay out on the bench with his abs like flexing and stuff, covered in baby oil, like. Uh, waiting for for his partner to get dressed so that he can get dressed. that's not how locker rooms happen right? we, that's that's not how guys are okay that's not that doesn't know uh i'm sorry to spoil it for anybody over the age of 40 who hasn't figured this out because that's all that's ever seen that movie um no anyway uh i was all that to say um Sorry, I don't want to drag this into that tangent. Oh, please. Yeah, well, yeah, because we're known for laser-focused topic progression. No. Um, <laughs> if they wanted good journalism, they wouldn't be here. <laughs> uh, so you'll remember that I had uh, uh, spoken about how I proposed to Shannon in that I my belief, and I still hold this belief, is that I needed to be – to come correct when I was going to propose to Shannon, like I had my shit in order. And, and when I explained to her family that I was, and I 
I still believe I should have done this, and I did. Um, explained to her family that I was going to ask her to marry me, and and her father asked some very pointed questions. You know, um, as fathers tend to do, we were very young. Uh, when I proposed to her, we were 21 years old. Um, we were, I mean, we had a year long engagement because I had to like, you know finish school and do that kind of stuff and and uh you know get said job and all that but when i proposed to her uh, i said you know by the time we get married i will have these things this is my plan this is my career path this is what i want to do this is where we want to live this is how much i think it'll cost this is how the bills and stuff and um, those of you who were born in the 90s who are listening to this and were thinking Why would he bother? This is was was it, this is what was acceptable and expected at the time. Yeah, I mean this is yeah. Uh now remember this is 23 24 24 years ago. Um so I mean it it was a little bit but uh, her family is a traditional southern family and you need to have a discussion with her father. Uh before you ask for his daughter's hand, uh, which I did, and I was very comfortable doing. Uh, this is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be college educated by this time. This is where we're going to live. This is all that kind of stuff. And I wanted her to have a life with me and and feel comfortable in the fact that we weren't going to be destitute, or at least not if I could help it. Um, I had a plan A, B, and C. Uh and and this was what I thought we needed to do to prepare us for uh, journey our journey together. Now, I now as it turns out, saying that someone has taken exception to this. Yeah. Uh, now she uh, is a fan of a uh, cast that we used to have and um, or that I used to have, and uh, has followed me on and off on different casts and and all that kind of thing. Now, uh, she started off. Um, and I'm going to say that like her, the way she hit me back 10 years ago, 15 years ago, God, have I been casting that long? Oh, six. And that when we started, GWC shit. Anyway, 10, 12 years ago, um, I didn't think she had this much kind of, um, persuasion, but, but nowadays it appears she's taking a harder line on that. And I got a text. Hold on. Let me grab my phone and read this. Um, so I don't misquote anybody. Uh, I said, Sean, I heard, and I'm, of course, I'm not going to use her real name or anything like that. We don't do that here and out people like that. But uh, she said, Sean. Only Epics. Uh, only Epics, 299. Uh, <laughs> Epics will out, whatever. But no, she doesn't have a pseudonym, and, and this is her real name because that's how I know her. Um, oh, excuse me. Ugh, oyster crackers, bad idea. Um the Sean, I listened to the recent cast on Gentleman's Soapbox. I heard you describing what you did. I'm like, Jesus, I'm already in trouble. I heard you describing what you did. You know, I heard you describing what you did in order to propose for Shannon. I understand that you might think that that's your duty in some kind of prosaic man type of way, but did you ever ask her what she wanted? I'm like, yeah, like before I told everybody else what the plan was, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, perhaps it would benefit you to listen to some of the things that uh, modern 
society takes uh, for granted, but would help you in the future. And she pointed me to several resources, well, some of which I won't. Planning on asking someone else to marry you in the future? No, I mean in relating to the female mind is really what she's <laughs> talking about. Because I had some questions on this, and we went back and forth a little bit. But one of the things she pointed me to was Anita Sarkeesian. And if you don't know who that is, um, she's I think she's Canadian. Uh, anyway, she's a, a feminist media critic. And uh, I don't know, it's like 10 year, 10-ish years ago, maybe, uh, she did a, a series called the – or a, a thing called the Feminist Frequency. And um, where she – I mean I think she was like one of the driving people who outlined that the gaming industry was incredibly prosaic and all that kind of thing. And she, she is of the persuasion that um, – Men take on all these assumptions and never let women do anything, basically. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> let me let me back up and address this stuff. Um, one of the things, and that was my plan, and I did do those things, and I followed those those deals. Now, um, at the time, uh, I was finishing up school. Uh, we were kind of dating. Shannon and I were kind of dating and all that stuff. Um, I sat her down, and I remember very, this very clearly, and I've said this sentence uh, on many casts before because it was a conversation I remember, and so does she. Um, I sat her down, and I'm like, look, I want to I want to lock this up. Let's let's figure this out and everything. Let's. Uh, I want to get married. She's like, yep, me too. And I'm like, okay, are you sure? Because we don't have anything. Like, if you're not marrying me for money, you don't have money. There's not like a, some great riches buried anywhere. We're like nobody's getting it. Half of nothing's nothing. Okay, so if you're planning on like riding my coattails or anything like that, there isn't anything there yet. We haven't built shit. And she's like, "Yep, me too. I haven't got anything. I got a slightly beat the shit truck and a full time job." I'm like, "All right, we can work with that." Right. Because at the time she was a police officer. And I'm like, OK, you got a full time job when I get out, I'll have a full time job and I think we'll have about this much money. And at the time, at the time I graduated uh, and got my first full time job, I was still living at home. She was still living at home because she had moved back home because she had a bad apartment. She had a bad situation with her apartment and some roommates and stuff that did some really mean things and uh, set her dog on fire, that kind of thing. Um, it was, it was not Did cool. Did she arrest them? Uh, no, but, uh, Did there was, she, okay, wait a minute. They said a dog. Did she John Wick them? <clears throat> Very close. Uh, so as we'll just sum it up and say she had to move out. <laughs> Got it. And everybody was glad she was no longer near those people. Let me explain. No, no. Yeah. Too much. Let me, there is up. too much. Let me sum up. Excellent quote. Uh, Prince's Bride, if anybody is too young to know what that is. Um, <laughs> it's Inigo Montoya. I feel like we have to name our references. I do. You have to, you have to name it because there's going to be some, some millennial going, what the hell is that? It's Inigo Montoya. Educate yourself. Manny Patinkin is a goddamn American treasure. Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, we sat down and uh, at the time of, of when I graduated and got my first full-time job, she was making like three, four grand a year more than me, which 
was not much. I think I was making 25 and she was making 28, you know. But by between the two of us, we could afford a shitty 700-square-foot apartment. And that's what we did. And well, I couldn't put her name on the rent because of other bad situations. But anyway, um, uh, it, it was it wasn't something I just decided in a vacuum. I included her in all the steps and everything, but I felt and and I still feel, uh, and I I guess if this makes me toxic, I I guess okay, but I still felt that I had a certain responsibility to her to give her the best life I was capable of giving her at the time. And I still feel that way. I still feel like I have the responsibility. Now, sometimes it doesn't work out. You get laid off. You have, you know, bad things happen. That's that shit happens. It's life. Right. But still, you have the responsibility in my personal opinion to your partner, whoever that may be, whatever gender it is, to do your best. And that's what I was doing. Make a plan and make sure that they're okay. And if that makes me toxic, okay. But now, I didn't feel that way. Did you express this to the person who me- who messaged you? Yes. And How there was, was a lot it of... received? I guess the best way to put it is you refer to them typically as your friend. Are you still friends? Oh yeah. Okay. No. Um. There. It's. I'm. I'm capable of of seeing. <laughs> people and, and hanging out with people who are not ideologically similar to me. I, I oh, cast oh, it with no, no, one no. for well, years. Uh, uh, honestly, I would assume that I probably know this person if you were to name them, but without you naming them, I don't know who they are, and I'm not going to ask. But <laughs> but at the same time, not knowing who this is, I know you. I know you have that capability. I didn't know if the person on the other end of this conversation did. Yes, she does. She's actually really cool. Um, she's just kind of become a little bit more feminized than she used to be back in the day. And I I, I was like, you know, I, I, I get it and everything. I, I think there's um, there's a certain level that I think and, – and, and this may be just my viewpoint or something like that. But I think there's a lot of assumption of arrogance like oh this man is making all these these decisions for the little woman or something like that it's like no i'm just trying to figure shit out and make sure that we don't get hurt if there's something i can do about it and and that's really all it comes from and that's part of and and a lot of people think of being a provider as as like this here i have put meat on the table cook meat woman like that's not what we're at least not what I'm talking about when I say something like that. If I'm home, I do the damn cooking. <laughs> yeah, I clean, I cook more than she does. <laughs> I fix stuff around the house. I do, and, and but we have divided stuff. Like if if there's an outing where there's going to be a crowd or something like that, she's taking the kids. <laughs> I ain't doing that. Um, so there's there's all kinds of different ways you can divide up a household and, and traditional roles or whatever it is. Shannon and I do not have traditional roles. So to speak of both of us work, both of us share the load in different ways. Um, and if you want to find out how untraditional it is, I introduce you to <laughs> the WA, the, the wholesome addiction podcast. You will find yeah. out how extraordinarily untraditional it is. It uh it can get a little different. Uh, I'm just I'm just saying it's <laughs> it's not um it's not your standard, and we've never been standard, you know. As far as I'm using finger quotes that you guys can't see, um, 
but uh, one of the things that I think is important to note is every relationship is different, and the people in it, as long as it's working for you, who the fuck cares? Oh, of course. It, you know? It, 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 that's actually one of the parts of this that really, quite frankly, confuses me. It confuses me that you have uh, the LGBTQ plus community who has been for decades been trying to convince the world that their relationships are no one else's business. And now they want to tell everybody else how to have their relationships. Yeah, it seems odd, doesn't it? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, it's, it's one of those... <laughs> it's just one of those things where you're just like, okay, well, whatever. I mean, uh, you can talk about, and I find it healthy to talk about your relationships. I mean, uh, I talk about my relationships on an, or my relationship on another show, and uh, it, it's we don't seem to have a problem with it. Now, it took us a long time to get to that point, uh, but uh, it's fine now. Uh, <laughs> case in point, uh, you know. Uh, Jada Pickett Smith and Will Smith have a podcast on how they they have both cheated on each other. Are we talking smack? Yeah, we talk smack. <laughs> uh, and they talk about oh, they talk openly about their relationship, about how you know they've they've been with other people since they've been married. They they've done other things, and and they they put themselves in the public eye like that. So it's it's like it's not unusual, and and I think there's a lot more quote unquote non-standard relationships than people think. Uh, no argument. However, there was an incident. Uh, <laughs> you and I have two. So I I don't think I'm coming around to your view on this incident quite yet. <clears throat> well, go ahead and, and describe it, and then describe what you think, because I'm going to hit people with a hammer here in just a minute. Oh no, 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 I, I okay, because and I I know you're not going to agree with me, and I I I I, I, I definitely think you have some very salient points. But just a couple of things that uh, I even watched somebody today who broke it down in slow-mo and just kind of went, okay, yeah. Well, for those of you who have your head buried in the sand and just haven't even turned on a TV or a radio or any other podcast in the world uh, or looked at the Internet in any way, shape, or form, uh, the Oscars, as of the time of this recording, were, were last not last night, the night before. Sunday night, correct? And we're recording. Correct, Tuesday? I think. Okay. I don't know. I don't watch the. Nobody watches the Oscars. And and I go and that's part of the part of your argument that I actually it, it makes me want to believe you. However, if you didn't know, uh, Chris Rock, who was hosting the Oscar, Oscars, made a comment about uh, Jada Pinkett Smith being bald. Uh, without knowing that apparently she uh, deals with a disorder called alopecia, which means hair loss. Um, and, you know, you can say that whether it was in poor taste or whatever, I, my own personal thought process is it's a show in which you have a host who is there to roast the audience. Uh, now, the part that made me believe this is real was... Something I saw from Jada Pinkett Smith's face, which was Will Smith started out laughing at the comment. And her face 
changed. And I have gotten this look before. And it is the look of, oh, you're going to let him talk to me like that? <laughs> uh-huh. At which point, Will Smith got up, walked on stage, and slapped the shit out of Chris Rock. The other part that was in slow-mo that I looked at and went, um, yeah, maybe this might be good. Chris Rock had a comment to come back with, and he opened his mouth to start to say it and thought better of it. <laughs> at which point, uh, Will Smith went, sat down, started, did a little bit of yelling and screaming back and forth, as Chris Rock basically did a version of, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> Now, I personally am going with the idea that this was actually real, just because of those couple of little things that I saw. However, I believe my co-host has a different opinion. I do have a different opinion. And um, call it, uh, you know how sometimes you get your conspiracy theory Oh, H&R jacked up. Oh, 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 oh no, no, I, I, I get where you're coming from. I'm just not sure that you've sold me yet. Okay. Well, I, 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 I'm not trying to sell anybody. It just pisses me off. Here's, here's, <laughs> here's a couple of things. Um, over the past couple of years, there's always been something that's that's happening, right? With these award shows, they're becoming less and less relevant. They're getting less and less shared. They're getting less and less attention. And ho because Hollywood in general is becoming less and less prevalent and relevant, right? They're, they're, it, it's just not what it used to be. And I think it's going to get a lot less, to be honest. Well, with the rise of some of the things that are coming through, they're just, they're just, nobody gives a shit, right? And no, I think people are getting tired of it. People really honestly have to say anymore. Right. And and that we shouldn't have in the first place. But we but we got caught up in this. And I, and I got I got something else to say about this later. But but let me run you through a couple of facts. OK, one Oscars and award shows are losing ratings hand over fist. Uh, so are big sporting events like the Olympics got the the worst rating in since like the 1980s or 70s or whatever it was. I mean, it was it was horrible. Um, I have thoughts and feelings on how that came about, but go ahead. But I will agree with you. The only one that hasn't really lost any ratings whatsoever is the Super Bowl. Right. And actually, the Super Bowl was down a little bit, too. But uh, there's. Hollywood is becoming less and less like they're making less movies now. Um, some of this stuff isn't isn't going the way it used to. Hollywood wasn't what it used to be. Isn't still isn't, and I don't think it's going to get any better for them. Now, one of the things Can that's I happened with the Oscars. Something right there, real quick, and it'll and I'll, absolutely. I'll shut up and let you go. Part of the reason for that is is that they have started – they've stopped making movies that people actually want to go and see and have started trying to make movies that tell people something. Yeah, political statements. Well, not even political is, statement, but uh, – <laughs> Social statements, political <laughs> statements, statements in general. And, and, and the worst – Statements is, were had. And the worst part about it is, is they can't even use the one thing that will get any man to come to any movie. Boobs. 
Yeah, that's that's prosaic as far as they're concerned. Yeah, I mean, however, and, and, and I'm not going to argue whether or not that's right or not, but I'm just going to say that if you really want to get a guy to come to a movie, no matter what movie, airplanes, as we discussed previously. Yeah, I was going to say, on. how can we get guys to come to this chick flick? I've got an idea. Do you know what an F-14 Tomcat is? <laughs> guys love those. Trust me. Or, it's going to be fine. Or boobs. Yeah. You know, giant robot. Like, how do we how do we get this, like, old school monster movie off the ground? I got an idea. Let's make a robot as big as Godzilla and then have them fight the monster. Oh, my God, that sounds amazing. And thus, Pacific Rim was born. All right, how are we going to make this HBO show? Like, how are we going to make people pay $15 a month for HBO? I got it. Do you want to see Cersei's boobs? Do you want to see the Mother of Dragons boobs? Do you want to see Jason Momoa spin her like a top? All right. I think we got the, I think we got the formula down, guys. What do you think? Throwing some gratuitous violence and you got you got yourself a deal. Anyway, that's that's waning. They're not. the the it's become very fractious. There's tons of studios out there, and they're having to compete against people who don't care about movies. My daughter could care less. You you ask my daughters right now if they want to be a movie star or a TikTok or YouTube star. They're gonna pick TikTok and YouTube every time. Who watches movies, Dad? I'm like, wow. And I'm a movie guy. I love movies. We are constantly watching movies in this house, and they don't care. They would rather be a YouTuber or a TikTok star than a movie star. That's where we are, okay? This is what Hollywood's facing, and they're terrified. So add all that up. There was recently a meeting um, over the last couple of years, like how do we make the people tune into the Oscars? How do we do it? How do we do it? Um, they started a couple years ago, right? And then they're, they're, every every year they have some kind of gimmick. There was the um, the great uh, picture. Remember the picture with like 15 people or the selfie with like 15 Hollywood A-listers in it and all kinds of stuff? Yeah, where it, it, it was DeGeneres did the thing, and she had her brand-new Samsung Note phone. Uh, right. She kept telling everybody it was her brand-new Samsung Note phone and kept taking selfies with everybody and posting them. Right. This was a whole big des- thing designed to create buzz for this and, and create buzz for um, the, the crazy things that happen in award shows. And now they got a sponsor in it and all that kind of thing. Well, every year they're they get less and less and they're having to do extreme things. Now, Jake doesn't agree with me, but let me run you through a couple of things. One, the Oscars need ratings. Two. How do we how do we make people come to the Oscars or, or tune into the Oscars, even though we know they're not going to tune in this time? How do we fix it in the future? Well, one thing to do is to create some kind of thing and to make us relevant again. Now, let me see if I can walk you through. And I'm going to this... interject with you one more time, just because I think there's another very very relevant uh, point to this because. And it, part of what drags me along with your idea is they even tried with the Golden Globes to see whether or not they could get the um, uh, celebrities to shut up. In which case, yeah. if you remember Rick Gervais's R- Yeah, Rick Gervais. Yeah, exactly. Please accept, your award. <laughs> Please accept your award. Say thank, thank you. Thank your God. and Sit down and shut up. <laughs> 
and that did not work. No. No, because they, they have to get up and grandstand, right? This is their chance to become relevant, to be, to be uh, to start a movement, to, to be seen and all that stuff. This is their moment, and it just nobody cares. And I, I think less and less people are caring about their platform, and it's it's become just done. It's just kind of over. Well, if you were going to write a scenario that was – Perfect in its execution. Here's what you might write, okay? So that you can't claim it's it's out like anybody's gone over the line here was just something that happens, right? Uh, Chris Rock, a black man, makes a joke about another black man's wife who is also black. So you can't claim he's a racist. They're all rich, so you can't claim he's an elitist. Um. Said dude gets up to defend his sickly wife and slaps another man open-handed. Now, it doesn't matter who you agree with on this, whether you relate. And think about it this way. They've covered all the bases. If, you relay, if you're a woman and you relate to Jada, you're there. If you have some kind of ailment or, or some kind of disease and, and you feel that you want to play the righteous card, you identify with Jada. If you are a normal cis man and uh, identify as that, here's the, the, the man getting up to defend his wife. If you are pretty irreverent and you're like, hey, you made a joke. What the hell? You identify with Chris Rock. Like everybody identifies like it, it says a lot about you by who you identify with. Right. They've written a perfect loop. If such a thing was written, I'm just saying. Okay, there's one part here that's also also making me want to buy this, which is there's there's a fourth person in this that that uh, has just came, that came in kind of late, but once again plays a role that they're used to playing, because the person who came up and calmed Will down and gave him fatherly sage advice <laughs> was Denzel. It was Denzel. It was not the guy you think. But and I have met Denzel before. I don't buy that. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, from everything I've ever heard about that dude, it's not like. Hmm. Anyway, so you can't. He, he's but, one of the but few look, celebrities I've met in a in a way that I can legally say that yes, I met them. Yeah. <laughs> but I I like you can't like nobody. There's no outrage about this. Everybody's just like, oh my god, I can't believe this happened. And what's the first? question everybody's asking was it was real? this real right exactly it and if you were going to write this right what would you have done if it was if it was written in, in a bit that you were supposed to do you'd put it out because this shit isn't live from the oscars right it's edited by the way they got a perfect three count on him walking up to this i counted right they got a perfect count of him walking up of him doing the thing of him slapping it and i think he really did slap him but look what it did it's like this huge relevance check right i think i've like, gotten so damn cynical with regards to media and all this that what i what i really want is i want to believe that people are human enough that Chris Rock said something shitty and Den 
Denzel got up, not Denzel, Will got up and slapped the shit out of him. Because, once again, that's the way the world generally is supposed to work in my mind. I know that somebody's going to go, oh my God, that was violence. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but a couple of things I, is. But so I think what I want is I want to believe that these people are human enough, and, and, and that it, this would prove that I am too cynical. If this was real, then I am really am too cynical. If you're correct, then I'm right about the world, and that means the world sucks. I couple of things. One, all three of these people are paid and trained actors. Two, Will Smith and Jada Pickett-Smith are not, this is not the first time they've been made fun of to their face in the media or by somebody famous. Three, Chris Rock is famous for saying shit about people. He's famous for roasting people. You knew what you were getting. Four, Will Smith is not that Dumb. He has been in Hollywood long enough to know you don't go and assault a man on camera in front of the U.S. public without risking a lawsuit. Okay, he's not that dumb. He'll have your his lawyers go after you if he's really upset about something, which he's done before, by the way. Now, there's the other so, part about this that this could be uh, Joaquin Phoenix-like performance art, and we're going to find out that. Uh, Will's next movie is called Pimp Slap. <laughs> um, it, it's to me, it's it was so it was just too perfect, right? There's no bad guy in this whole incident. There's no bad guy, right? And, and what would the Oscars say if this was written for them? Oh no, it was completely real. We're they're not trying to cover it. They aired it. They still aired it, right? If this was something that happened and they were upset about it or they're like, oh, shit, we might be liable for this, you'd have never seen it. It would have been some incident because Hollywood's huge on covering that shit up. Also, Will was sat right by the stairs. (laughs) That's weird. In view of camera two. (laughs) Odd that the camera guy was right there. From the moment it happened to the moment he got up to the and they stayed with him so he could say the lines. It was perfectly framed and shot. No, this was this was a far. It was it was a farce. It was it was written just to make the Oscars more relevant. I I truly believe. I mean, maybe I'm just too skeptical, but no. See, see, the thing is, is that I I agree with your argument. I just don't want it to be true. <laughs> because all it does, because there's no bad guy here, right? But yes, but this one is, is a. But this, but this is so media cynical that this is what po- probably happened. That uh, this, this I, I can't have my cynicism confirmed this much. <laughs> so I think I just need to believe that Will just went up and slapped the shit out of him. Oh, no. And he did. He did go up and he actually did slap him. And and, uh, okay, great. But look at the mileage all three of them are going to get. Hell, even Denzel, probably. All three of them are going to get all this mileage. Will can be. uh, Jada gets uh, uh, 
credit for for being heroic and and showing her disease and being brave. Will gets credit for being a repentant man trying to defend his wife. Chris gets credit for getting the shit slapped out of him and being the bigger man and not suing him. This is perfect. Everybody gets credit. The Oscars gets relevant and Hollywood wins. This was written. When Brilliantly does the next written. Rock special come out? <laughs> Brilliantly written, I might add. Everybody in Hollywood could weigh in on it. I was there when I saw the thing, and this is what I think about it. They they get to be relevant again. This saved the Oscars this year. Fantastic. This I I I can't I cannot stress this enough that that Hollywood is so desperate that now they'll put a man slapping another man on just to make them relevant again. This is this is what I'm thinking. And I have not seen anything that's convinced me that 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 is not the case yet, because this is the perfect Hollywood spin. Because nobody's at fault. Nobody's condemning anybody else. They're like, oh, Will shouldn't have slapped him, but he shouldn't have said that. And Jada feels bad. It's like this. They just get to weigh in about all this stuff and make them all make them all relevant again. It's perfect. I couldn't write something more circular and, and, and like, circle jerky. Well, as I've said, I I can't argue with you. I just don't want to. <laughs> I want to, but I can't. <laughs> so, as far as a more serious topic for the day... Uh, I had asked, and he and he really honestly did come through. I, I sent Yepix because I wanted to see the other side of the argument. I asked Yepix to send me some of his articles that he piles up with regards to what I wanted to talk about was infrastructure. And what I found out looking at all of the stuff with regards to U.S. infrastructure is it is, honest to God, one of the simplest answers under the sun. It won't even take up a whole show because the answer is our infrastructure sucks. The United States is crumbling. That's really well, all there is to it. Could have told you that for a buck. <laughs> what I was hoping to find out a little bit more about, and uh, it's and, it's, uh, and for obvious reasons, it's not one of those things that you, that's very, very easy to find, and I'm still looking around... Because my question is, is with the exorbitant, and when I say exorbitant, I'm talking in the trillions of dollars of money that is supposedly being earmarked and spent on infrastructure, where is that money going? Now, for obvious reasons, considering the fact that none of this stuff is actually getting done, the money's disappearing. So obviously, it's not one of those things that you can find large accounting tables for who's got what. Yeah, that's no, not a surprise. But it, but it, but I heard something else, uh, and, I, and I'm pretty sure I've said it here before, and I'm not 100% sure it's accurate, but it definitely doesn't strain my credulity, the idea that there is so much money being spent on trying to build uh, low-cost housing for the homeless in just L.A. County that they could go to each and every one of the homeless in L.A. County and give them $100,000 and still have money left over. Uh, and it's and it's still not helping anybody. 
Like they're not building the housing. Oh, no, it's not exactly. fixing anything. So, so that was hearing that was what made me kind of want to go. Okay, we're spending all this money on infrastructure. Um, is the infrastructure, where is it? Is the infrastructure getting better? No. So what the fuck? Uh, so I, that's so that's still going to take some bit of time to see whether or not I can figure out what the fuck. This is this is me doing my best to actually try to be an investigative journalist, which we know that I'm not. So. Um, good luck on right. that. So <laughs> I, I, I found a nice, happy topic for us. You'll, you'll enjoy this. Okay. What do you think our role with Ukraine as the U.S. Is, should actually be? Well, if you wanted to give me a landmine, at least <laughs> just, like, give me the side that doesn't say face towards enemy. <laughs> Here I was thinking I can your grenade and get the pin. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's this? You don't want it. <laughs> Spies like us. For those of you too young. Um Oh and, and and if you haven't seen it, go rent it and find it. It's worth it. You guys got a tent? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Also a movie about Americans and Russians. Uh, also, uh, I recommend the movie Ruskies uh, from the 19, I think it's 80s. Uh, fantastic movie. It's basically War and Peace um, uh, by Tolstoy, uh, but in a modern day take. And I thought it was brilliantly done. I always liked that one. Uh, but... Uh, and I had the biggest crush on what's her shit from that movie. Oof. Um, God, what was her name? Because it was about. Have you ever seen that? Uh, I I have, but it's been long enough that my addled old fart brain does not really remember it. Oh my God! Had Joaquin Phoenix, Whip Hubley from the aforementioned Top Gun as Misha. Uh, it had um, Carol King as Miss Kovac. Uh, I mean, just, I mean, it, it had some stuff, man. Um, Summer Phoenix is candy. Uh, and I, I the think you can't see Carol King without thinking of Latka from Taxi. <laughs> no, you're, you're not the only one there. That's, I mean, damn dude. I mean, there was, there was, there was some stuff, dude. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I haven't thought about Ruskies in forever. Um, but for once again, those of you who've been living under a rock, there is this little conflict going on in Eastern Europe where this um, uh, slightly larger country known as, as, as Russia has decided to pick on a smaller country known as the Ukraine. And... You've got this other larger country off to the side called the United States who's decided that they want to try to referee this. And it's going so well for us. Well, and I mean, them and everybody else involved. I mean, it, it, it's 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 you know, you've got a referee who's trying to throw the coach out. Um, <laughs> uh, it, so so here my question is is considering all the wonderful things that have been said and done what if any role do you think we really should have in all of this fuck i 
it follows under the something needs to be done, but I don't know what the hell needs to happen to to fix what's going on because what you're looking at is two sovereign nations with a dispute one is actively decided to invade the other one and neither one of them are members of nato are they well obviously russia isn't concerned the fact that nato was basically designed to formed to combat them yes and uh no no let's be specific because it keeps getting pointed out not to def- not to combat them, but to defend against them. Right. Now yeah. That's no, a, that's I, a... Now that's a piece of subtlety, and it's a piece of, uh, shall we say, possibly. They were not dip- invited to the clubhouse. Political and diplomatic fiction that everybody's looking out there to basically say that why would Putin be threatened by us? We were created to defend ourselves against him. Yeah. Uh, well, not him, so... but. Russia, the the Russian threat, uh, the Eastern European threat. Uh, but in, as far as our role goes, it's very it's very turbulent, uh, you know, and very touchy because the minute we're seen actively helping Ukraine, we escalate everything. But if we if the west in general in europe do not help ukraine it could be a lot worse for them and many will die well, so here comes my question in all of this i'm going to add an extra question into all of this ukraine or maybe it's a question maybe it's a statement shit i don't know uh this is the first time in the midst of all of this, now a lot of people will point towards times in the past when, whether it was Russia or the Soviet Union, invaded somebody, and we kind of did our thing off to the side. This is different because this is the first time we've ever, as a country, given a shit, but had no political will whatsoever. Because, and I'll step back to Afghanistan, when the Soviets invaded Afghanistan. We did not give a shit about Afghanistan. We had the political will to go in and help them kill Soviets. That's all we really wanted, was killing Soviets. Now, all of a sudden, we give a shit about Ukraine, but we don't want to kill any Russians. You know, it's funny. It's I, I think... <laughs> Ron White subbed it up the best. I had the right... To, to remain, remain silent. silent, but not the ability. But I didn't have the ability. <laughs> we have the the moral responsibility to help a a country and a people in need, but we have no capacity uh, as far as as the political machine goes to make the correct decision to do that. Uh, that is my own read on it. Uh, I'm, I realize that there are a lot of people who are like, no, Uncle Joe will lead us to ultimate uh, freedom, and, and he always makes the best choices. I, I it, it, To those okay. people, I would, I would point to his, you know, this man cannot be allowed to stay in power quote the other day, which sent the White House going, that's not what he meant! 
you know. Well, that, but see, that kind of goes into the other question of all of this is what role do we have in this, considering the fact that we and the Russians have the two largest stockpiles of nuclear weapons in the entire world? That the I it, and that whereas we have well-known checks and balances to keep Uncle Joe from putting his sippy cup down on the wrong button. If Putin wakes up one morning and realizes that not only is he has he lost, but he's on his way to war crimes trials. Yeah, he's uh, going to go, hey, fuck it, let him up. Yeah. It, 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 so once again, where does that fall into the decision-making process? Does well, it I think fall it, into the decision-making process? I, I mean, I think it does. Of course it does. Because have this been... Um, you know, Ukraine versus Poland or Ukraine versus Bulgaria or Ukraine versus, you know, like some other Czechoslovakia, you know, like what? OK. Now you two stop it. Right. We'd have been in there. But because it's Russia, it would be like the same as China. Right. China was having problems with Taiwan. Did did we go in? No, we went. Now China, but Let's China stop has that. not invaded Taiwan. No, but they had problems with them. Now we had an opinion on it, as everybody does. It's like when you see your neighbors, you know, pissing in somebody else's yard. Like, dude, it's not cool, right? Now, if you see your neighbors beating on his wife, you're gonna go over there, right? Well, I, at this point, you see him doing something like that. Yet he's got a loaded gun and he's pointing it at everybody. All right, now what? Do you get involved? Do you call somebody else? Do you call for help? Who else do you call? Who else do you call? This is happening right now. What do you do? It might be a year before the cops get here. You know? What do you do? And I, I don't, like, people smarter than me and with better national policy and a better read on on who Putin is and what he actually has and the country's situation and our situation. I'm not talking about our government, though. Right. I, I, I don't like people. People know these answers to these questions better than I do. I can I can tell you that that I feel like war is is in a country, a sovereign nation being invaded. Now, the other thing about it is is terrible. The other thing about it is. Um, there's a lot of stuff floating around that the the leader of Ukraine is not exactly what you'd call a nice guy either. He isn't the the glowing ball of light he's been painted to be uh, by some American media. And I think where, where does that fall into the equation? Though? I don't know. And see, and there's the thing. Like, is this like uh, you know, like uh, is this bad? Is it good that he's a bad guy? I mean, because. Because, like, look, okay, we helped Stalin in World War II. We were on his side. And then afterwards, he ate our lunch for the next, you know, several decades in a Cold War. Is this the same as that? I don't know. I I don't know. And that's that's kind of part of the problem. Like, I, I am not as versed in world politics as probably any fucking school child in Europe is. But... But the, the, the thing that strikes me is America has and has since 
the end of World War II, really, stuck our fucking nose in every conflict around the world and and made it work to our advantage monetarily. Oh, you need weapons? We'll sell you those. Oh, you need this? We'll sell you those. Hey, you need a government toppled? We can help with that. We know what we're doing. By the way, buy our cars afterwards or buy whatever it is. But that that was a game that was played against the Soviet Union. Everybody knew the rules of that game because to break the rules meant the world comes to an end. And at the no time at no time at that point in time were we under the impression that there was somebody who didn't give a shit enough to the point where they were willing to hit that button. The calculus has changed, and I don't think anybody knows it. I think somewhere along the line they're taking these things and adding them up. Okay, you've got Russia, big country, lots of nuclear weapons. You've got Ukraine, small country, run by a comedian. Invasion, invasion into Ukraine, That this equals bad. Okay, that equals bad. So then we start adding other variables into it. We add in... The United States, we add in NATO, we add in our nuclear weapons, we add in a guy who is probably doesn't know what day of the week it is, much less who Putin is. Uh, he does, too. He blamed inflation, the entire economy <laughs> and all the gas prices on Putin. He's a bad man. But the way this equation is being put together, they're still they're adding two plus two and coming up with five. And it's just it, it, it's not working out and I and it's there's all of these variables that keep getting thrown in and we're not discovering the secret of the universe here here's here's another thing that I think isn't helping the United States media when this war first started go back and look at the coverage it was actually pretty good Um, they had people who were like okay this is what's happening this is what's going on. These are the players. This is what we see. This is how it's moving. This is what's going on. There's people. We've got people on the ground. We're showing you live pictures. We're doing this. We're doing oh, this. We're doing somebody this. Somebody went, oh, fuck, he got killed. We're out. And, well, <laughs> that did happen. And But one of the other things that happened is this is now a siege, right? And there's not a lot of movement, Actually, which I means— I'm going to amend my statement because as much as some people did, oh, fuck, he got killed. We're out. There were a couple of other people who went, oh, fuck, he got killed. Oh, wait a minute. He's from Fox. No worries. Go keep going. Uh, there was yeah, – well, depending on what, where, where your your, uh, your paychecks come from, I guess that may have been true. However, um, after a while, it became a siege, right? And sieges aren't exciting. And so now look what they're doing. Hey, what do you think it would take – to drop a bomb over there. What do you think it would take for us to invade? What do you think it would take for him to drop nukes? Like now they're they they ran out of stuff to do because the war isn't progressing a mile a minute like it was, right? It's more of a grind now. And grinds aren't exciting. You can't sell a grind. People don't buy advertising for a grind. So now you got to make up shit. And now they're pushing. They're pushing, right? When and they keep asking, right? They keep asking the generals. They keep asking the White House. They keep asking Jen what's her shit. That, hey, what do you think it'd take Are these for this to escalate? That stupid though. Yes. Think that they're going to be. They're. I mean, my question to them is: is how do you spend all your advertising money if you're radioactive dust? Oh my do God! You, they're they are that dumb. 
Are though. they? Really? Clearly. That's what they're doing. Listen to it. Go watch the watch mm-hmm. coverage from when the thing first started. My hope and it's, is I, no, going back and I'm watch trying it. not to be as cynical as I usually am. I, I'm, I'm hoping that they know something that we don't. That somewhere along the line they know something that we don't that means that they're not that stupid. Let me tell you what they know. They know that if you want to make it as a reporter, if you want to become primetime, what does every primetime well-respected reporter in the United States have? A Pulitzer? War correspondence experience. They make a name for themselves with war correspondence. And being the light that led the American people through these traumatic times, that's where you make a career as a reporter and become respected. This is the cup they dip, you know, the the cup of everlasting life that they dip the Holy Grail in to make themselves, you know, to, to, to get made. This is it. And they, the last war they had ended. So, now you got a bunch of wannabe reporters, wannabe respected reporters with no war. Well, now you can't make a name for yourself. How are you going to do that? Oh, look, a new war. It's an exciting war. It's a war in Europe. We haven't had one of those in years. Let's check this out. Oh, my God, it's full of white people. Imagine the tragedy. This is how they think. This is how cable news media thinks. It's fucking ridiculous. But that's what they're doing. And I I, I – it makes me sick every time I turn on the the TV now or watch CNN or MSNBC or Fox or something like that. It started off really well, it, and it's just devolved into what they always do. They're playing for ratings, trying to make something out of nothing, and uh, I'm not saying the war is nothing, but I'm saying that, that they'll try and make any statement or anything into this whole big thing to make it worthy of of sound bites and the six o'clock news and and all that stuff and i i i think they're pushing people the wrong way i really do because they're they're focusing on all the wrong shit now and it's really dangerous when you're talking about russia you know they are other than china they are one of the scariest and it's i don't blame the russian people honestly um, they're being held captive, much like we are. Um, they're being run by people who don't necessarily represent who and what they are. Um, I think that is much like our own country. We are being run by people who do not represent who and what we are. I truly believe that. Um, so I, I, I don't blame the Russian people. I don't blame... Uh, us as a country, uh, as far as, you know, like you and your neighbors and stuff like that, our elite class and their elite class are fucking crazy and they are making crazy decisions. That's what I think. Um, I'm going back to my thought process that, that this is all just an extreme level of stupidity. <laughs> clearly. I, I mean, Though it's a little bit off subject, I mean, we, we I sent you the articles with regards to financially what both Georgia and California are planning on, or at least running through their legislatures to consider doing. Yeah. 
So <laughs> the state of California is running through its legislature a idea of giving every Californian an extra 300 bucks a month just to be able to pay for gas. Think about that, and listeners. Then, think about that. They're going to solve high gas inflation and gas shortage problems in, in, in an inflated economy by making up money and handing it out. And then the state of Georgia is planning on doing something similar, but giving everybody 500 bucks a month as a inflation recovery. So think and, about that. And and, uh, and I'll take this one, which is we're planning on combating inflation, which is too much cash in the economy, by putting more cash into the economy. That's like saying, look. Guys, we realize this fire is out of control. Now, Let's pour some don't, gasoline on it. Yeah, don't worry. We've got a plan. We've got this can of gas, and we're going to throw it on the fire. And it should, the resulting explosion should snuff the fire out. That's what we're thinking. It's like, oh, God damn it. You know, like, you know I, I learned something. I sent you a link. Um, I, I think it was in an email the other day. I don't know if you yeah, saw it or not. The one about uh, propaganda? Yeah. <laughs> now let's put it this way i could have told the I, I could have gone over to germany and taught this course so it's not like this is it's not the fact that it exists that is interesting it's the fact that they're literally over there looking at us going these people are fucked now for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about um I, I ran across this this video the other day of this woman who's living in Germany, and she uh, ran across this book and ran across these students who are taught uh, in high school. But essentially, it's their version of high school. They are taught uh, propaganda. Now, they are also taught propaganda, much like we are, uh, the, of the rise of the uh, Nazi Party in Germany in the 1930s and how that happened and all the propaganda that they did. So it won't happen again to them. And I respect that tremendously. So this won't happen again to us. We won't be fooled again. This is what to look for. This is how it feels. This is how it sounds. This is what they do. Look <laughs> this here. This is how it's working right now. Yeah, this is what's happened. This is what happened and how we got led astray so that they don't let it happen again. The Japanese do something very similar. Uh, so they so they learn, you know, how not to be where uh, in a place where they don't want to be. So they, they learn about 1930s Germany. But one of the funny things is they they have a book. Um, and I can't remember the name of it, what it's called at the moment, but they have a, a textbook that basically follows American propaganda from the 1980s to now that shows how we have lied to ourselves and sold each other on the quote-unquote American dream while simultaneously taking the American dream and adding in propaganda and, and consumerism and wastefulness and all that stuff into our, our society. And it's it's they make them learn this stuff from an American textbook, and it's uh, this is a real thing. You guys can look it up. I'm not kidding. Uh, if you want, I'll send you the email with the the text link. I can't put my hands on it right now. Um, but it, I was like, oh, you are shitting me. And uh, this is this is 
what the Europeans are seeing. Like they can look in on on America and go, as Jake succinctly put it, "Oh, you guys are fucked," and we are. <laughs> like we're buying this hook, line, and sinker, and we, we as a mass, we don't realize that it's been sold to us. We have no idea that that this is what's happening as a as a as a people. Right. The, a person is smart. People are dumb, panicky animals who, and I will amend this, will buy absolutely anything if told to. Um, if a celebrity goes, buy this, we go, OK. And we do. You should go to college and spend 100 grand. OK. And we do. <laughs> and the funny part about it is it goes back to what we were saying before. How do you sell most of this stuff? <laughs> As uh, uh, Lewis Black put it, <laughs> big tits. Oh, no, no, that wasn't Lewis Black. That was George Carlin. That was George Carlin, yeah. <laughs> big tits. Put a, put a set of big tits on it, and people will buy it. It'll sell. And they're I, absolutely hey, hey, right. Hey, that's how they sold college to men for years. <laughs> you know, you're going to get a better class of woman if you, you go to college. Okay. And we've, we've sold this lie, this this constant American dream lie, because the dream is just that. It's it's a dream, right? It's it was very it was possible for a very short amount of time in the nineteen in the late nineteen forties and the nineteen fifties. It absolutely was possible then. Oh, well, actually, I think what's pissing me off when it comes to that though is the fact that if we followed our own rules, if we followed our own ideals, it would still be every bit possible but we don't but we don't we don't because we we don't believe in our own ideals and we don't believe in in how to make that because look at all the stuff that's gone from that the ideals are being at this point actively torn down yeah i mean it's it's the whole who moved my cheese thing you know like uh oh (laughs) right uh this is like some some's peaking, man. Like this ain't right. It, it's it, and it's happened very slow. They've done a masterful job, by the way. Um, we've we've moved away from this. Yes, and people, the Great Reset is going swimmingly. <laughs> An elaborate and easily escapable, you know. It's it's like that, that guy really been... is Doctor Evil, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he really is. I mean, like he's he's an older Doctor Evil. I mean, it's he does everything but have a mini me, right? We don't knock on our kitty. Yeah, we don't knock on our kitty. You know, if he has a teenage son named Scott, we're fucked. Okay, that's all I'm saying. (laughs) If his wife is female Hitler, we're screwed. (laughs) But uh, his name is Schwab. I mean, it's it's definitely (laughs) Germanic. It's an Austin Powers joke for those of you who are not born in the last, you know, twenty years. Anyway, uh, I, I just, I, I worry about us. I, I really do. I, I don't know how we're going to get out of this. I really don't because I think a, most of Americans, most Americans are still asleep. Not people, not anyone listening to this cast, but, but I think most Americans are still well, asleep. Yeah, I mean. If I let my full cynicism fly, 
you heard me say this before. I think we have until the next election. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I think there'll be some unrest, but we've seen unrest. I, we need a lot more than that because most people will still sleep right through it. I think over the following four years after our next election, no matter who wins, it comes apart. I'll take that bet. <laughs> I'll take that bet. <laughs> I'll, I'll bet, bet you, you a you. box of Freedom Shells. It's not <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, then I'll throw in a... Uh, a uh, tub of uh, non-perishable food. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> I'll take that bet. <laughs> the good news is, is if you're right, I won't have to pay out because America is going to eat itself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and if you're right and I have to pay out, it means I didn't need it in the first place. Right. So we're good. <laughs> Progress made here on the show. Uh, okay. You got a media suggestion? I do, and it's fan-fucking-tastic. Okay. Have you seen the first episode of Halo series? I have. I don't know what people are bitching about. I honestly don't. I thought it was fucking amazing. I, I have one complaint, and it's a minor one. It's a very, very minor one. Now, I'm, not, I'm also not somebody who played the game. I have a, plaint, a complaint of a choice of an actor. Okay. The guy they have playing Master Chief... After he took his helmet off, the problem is is that that particular actor, after seeing Orange is the New Black, I will never be able to think of it as anything other than porn stash. <laughs> so now that I see porn stash as Master Chief, it, it, it kind of brought me out of it. Pablo Schreiber? Uh, or Schreiber? Uh, I don't know. Um, now, if he had left I've... the helmet on, it would have been perfect. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. Uh, it was it was very, very uh, well thought out. It was well done. I thought uh, Beef and I were geeking about it. You'll hear on the next uh, WA cast. We were geeking out about it. I mean, just just the first time he turned around and I saw the one one seven on his chest because I've been playing the game for decade, you know, over a decade. Oh, I, I I loved the way they made the move. Just even just as far as the superhumanness of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, game, correct me if I'm wrong. You have never played any Halo game, yeah? No. Okay. I mean, I I got I know the general gist of it, but I've never played them. Yeah, it's it, it's actually a fantastic story. It's sort of like Mass Effect. It's worth playing the game just to get the story. I just I I can't I I don't have the manual dexterity to keep up with modern first-person shooter games. Wow, they're 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 amazing. I and, I and that's that's even on story mode. <laughs> that, that's how bad it is. I, I I play old CRPGs where you have uh, turn-based, right? Not not even turn-based. It's the one where you can hit pause and reorganize everything, and then let it go, and then hit pause again and reorganize everything. And... <laughs> I I. I've been playing Halo for a very long time, and uh, since the early aughts, how's that, uh, for for the original Halo Combat Evolved, and it, it, I'll say this, when Bungie was doing it, the, the last great Halo game was Reach, and that was the farewell from Bungie, and then 343, uh, or 343 Industries picked it up after that, and, and I've been somewhat less of a fan after that. Uh, but just to see the the live action version 
um, and this is pre-Cortana, right? This is Chief pre-Cortana, which if you know anything about Master Chief, Master Chief and Cortana are kind of a match set. Uh, she is the AI who develops feelings and a great love for Master Chief, and he is the automaton weapon that they built that they didn't really want to have feelings. And she is his conscience, and he is her um, unforgiving, unstopping machine. And it's kind of funny that she's the AI and he's the quote-unquote Flesh and blood human. Now, with the flesh and blood human that they gave him to kind of start to pique his conscience, does that kind of mess with that storyline then? Um, here's the here's one of the things that uh, people are objecting to. One, he takes his helmet off in the first episode. Master Chief. It took years, decades, to for you ever to see Master Chief's face. Um, they resented the hell out of him taking his helmet off but this is <clears throat> you got to remember this is before he gets messed up this is before humanity betrays him this is before uh he realizes how desperate the human race is actually hard up against the aliens and the covenant this is before cortana makes him and and the bond between him and cortana make him who he will become one day but the thing about Master Chief that has always been true is he has a very defined sense of right and wrong, black and white. There is no gray area. It is or it is not. And if he has decided something is right, there is nothing he will not do to make it continue to be right or to make it so. So if he decides this little girl should live and – that what everybody else has decided is wrong, then that's how it is. And he will die on that hill every time. The only problem is you can't really kill Master Chief. He's that good. So it is uh, it is not outside of character that he has decided to do something when he sees a need. No, that is not outside of his character at all i think most of the complaints that people are are heaping upon halo the halo series at this point is that you see his face well, and I, mean, I, I i though for a completely different reason i'm complaining about the same damn thing <laughs> <laughs> what did he took his helmet off yeah yeah <laughs> i keep picturing his boss going i have nightmares about your ass <laughs> I I love that um I I I love they instituted some of the game stuff, the noises, the 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 three count before his shields come back up and he has to sit there and wait for him to come back up cuz Ammonia armor won't recharge until then. Um but the the fact that he makes himself vulnerable so that he can get his point across. Look, I'm wearing Molnir, you know, low, uh, the, the Molnir armor. That ain't gonna make a dent in me. You can't hurt me. Let me make it so we're on an even playing ground or playing field. Now look, now you can hurt me. What do you want to do? I'm trying to help you. That's very Master Chief. Just cuts right through it. Does not care. Here, we're gonna do this. You can continue doing that. That's fine. But I'm going to do this. Are you going to help me or not? That's very Master Chief. Make a decision. Stick with the decision. Never look back. Period. 
very master chief it's i think it's going to be a great series beef and i are are over the moon about it i i am looking forward to continuing to watch it because i have only been on the only peripherally aware of the halo story knowing that it was a good story and having now an opportunity to experience it I mean, Al, if you remember even then, years ago when you were talking about Final Fantasy VII, I was hoping desperately that you would tell me that there was a novelization somewhere along the line that I could read. <laughs> because, once again, never played it, and it's just not something that I'm going to be able to do. You know, I, there are several games that have affected my core being. Halo's one. It is a is an excellent story and an excellent, um, you know, the robot's the human, and the human is the AI. Right. And they weren't supposed to be together and they weren't supposed to be together that long and they weren't supposed to affect each other like that. But because of the pair of them, humanity survived. And when Cortana went crazy and and had problems, Chief, you know, and they told Chief, like, kill her, get rid of her. You know, she's she's obviously a threat. And he's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. That's my girl, and I'm gonna go fix it, and she's gonna come back with me. And you know, and they're like, "No, we forbid you to go." And he's like, "Yeah, well, I'm going." You know, can you stop? I mean, they've had an entire alien race trying to stop them. You think you're gonna stop me? <laughs> I don't think that's it. They send an entire team after him of Spartans, and then a recon team, and you know, all this stuff. And he's like, "Yeah, that's not happening." You can, and they wind up helping him. Because they're like, well, we're not going to try and kill Master Chief. That's that's not happening. <laughs> the entire covenant couldn't kill Master Chief. And you want six guys to do it? Yeah, no, that's we're not doing that. <laughs> Good. Grab a weapon. We got to go. <laughs> so I I it, it's it's great. Halo is one of those series is also Mass Effect is is one. And they they have a Mass Effect reference in the Halo series. It's so fucking great. Um it's like Paging Commander Shepard for the Verge, you know, you know, the Skillian Verge, you know. I'm like, yes, you know. Um it, it's they they pay homage to the right kind of stuff and it's it's really great. But if this is the the story of how he gets paired with Cartana that's fantastic. I, I want to see it. Well, I have two. Both of them come from Netflix. One of them is a little bit older, and one of them is extremely recent. Let's start with the extremely recent. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but Jeff Foxworthy just put out a new um, special on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, did you actually watch it? I did. I It started out nice. I, I put it on not because I was incredibly interested in it, but just because... I was waiting up for my kid to come home and just looking for something to watch. And, sure. Uh, it started out for like the first two and a half minutes. I was going, oh, my God, he looks really old. It's making me feel old, and I think I'm going to have to turn the <laughs> channel. Uh, he's even talking old. And it, once he actually really got his groove going, though, it, w it's, it was very different than his usu than his comedy of the past. And I thought it was great. It was definitely a lot more mature and yes. not in the, in, you know, like the, you know, oh, but, but it was like, you can tell he'd lived some life since then. And, 
since the last time I saw him or whatever, uh, it, it was it was like it was really good. It was I, I thought it was it was well well thought out. Uh, and another thing, I started watching some episodes uh, for again, and I know you'll agree with me on how wonderful this is. And I decided I had to bring it up here because I couldn't remember if you and I had spoken about it before or after we started doing these. Um, uh, little recommendations if you haven't watched arcane on netflix yet <laughs> you are you, you're really missing something special i mean it, it, if there's a reason it got 100 percent on rotten tomatoes i very rarely have seen now for now, I, for I, for those of you who 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 don't know, I'm an artist by by training and by trade. And and I'll throw in a, cu- a couple little things for again for those who don't know what it is just before you get started, which is it is a animated series on Netflix based on the video game League of Legends, which I had never played before, didn't even know it was about the League of Legends, not really Dude. knowing about League of Legends prior to, yet it was still an absolutely fascinating, beautifully done animated series. Sean, should tell us about the art. First of all, dude, seriously, you need to start game. There's these epics. You probably never played Skyrim before either, have you? Uh, no. God damn it, dude. There... Uh, the the moment things got to be more complicated than just a mouse and a space bar, which is what I play now, or the original NES with a thumb pad and two buttons, I think the most complicated I ever got was the Sega Genesis. Um, I if you play on an Xbox, it's not any that it's not any harder than that. I, uh, no, but see the Xbox, you've got like not only you've got this pad and this joystick, and then you've got these buttons and this joystick, and then you've got the trigger button down here. And honestly, it'd take you a week to learn it, and then your I've, life would be changed. I've tried. My daughter has an Xbox. I actually do own Mass Effect. I can't play it. I get caught in the corner getting shot in the back of the head. Dude. I've never made it past the first level. It's so sad. It is because Mass Effect is like the the most cerebral uh, stimulating the, the, story. The moment they drop you down on the planet and you're trying to figure out what's... Uh, yeah, I, I get stuck in a corner because the whole idea that you've got this thing to run this direction and this way to look that direction, I get stuck and can't seem to get out of a corner and get shot to death. Dude. Happens every I, time. It's... so I, I, I cannot explain how much that hurts my soul because you're missing all this <laughs> shit. But... Um, Arcane, the uh, first of all, if you're a League of Legends fan, this is this is kind of like chicken soup for the the gamer soul. But but the art in Arcane, the sheer level of technical proficiency and beauty in the the Netflix uh, animation of it is world class. With simply a, with, world with a class. world class well thought out storyline that goes goes with it now if i understand correctly it is not the exact storyline that goes along with the game league of legends they did come up with something new but the story is beautiful the story is beautiful it isn't a standard thing but i don't think you could have done 
a standard kind of uh, League of Legends story or, or one of the, because everybody it would be like Harry Potter. All right, now walk with me on this. It takes a second, but when Harry Potter came out, what they were absolutely terrified of in the very first movie was an eight-year-old sitting in the movie theater, going, "That's not right." Right? That that it would have been death for it. With League of Legends, it's the same kind of thing. They couldn't have done it. I don't think they could have done it right if they'd have just followed the same storyline everything else did. They'd 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 pick it apart. There's no way you could do it. So to me, it was just beautifully done. I, I the the art was, like I said, world class. It is some of the most beautiful stuff and beautiful. I mean, they, the ray tracing, the the mats, the colors, the palette, the the animation, the the style it was done in is is just for better for lack of a better word flawless and absolutely then, flawless and then even then just the character arcs the one or, that, i mean if you don't know uh, about the there's a character by the name of jinx jinx is batshit crazy um and uh, broken in, in is a better abs- word uh, well let's put it this way broken to the point where she's batshit crazy right and the storyline they gave her how she gets broken why she's broken uh, and how she handles being broken, and how it only breaks her even more. Uh, oh my God! I mean, tragedy doesn't cover it, <laughs> you know. Like, because you really want her to be okay, and you know she's not gonna be. You know, like by the end of it, you know, uh oh. <laughs> and, and and you want Vi to be able to help her, but you know that Vi is not equipped to be able to help her. Right. Vi doesn't even understand the depth of the problem until the very end, and then she, then she's not equal to the task. She can't fix her, and you, you're, it, it makes you sad, you know. Like there's, there's this, and there's all these wonderful characters and and these story arcs and everything where you're just like, wow, this world's fucked. <laughs> you know, like, and the thing is, is just about the time that the world is about to maybe go in the right direction the f- the fact that these people are as screwed up as they are bites everyone in the ass yeah and everybody has something even the guy you think is a really really bad guy truly loves jinx well and then even the person you think is supposed to be the really good guy turns out to be not quite not so either. much yeah <laughs> not so much uh, you know, you know the, the one off to the side that you think is going to be the conniving prick turns out to be somewhat okay and a, yeah an all right guy almost yeah <laughs> and then and, and then the one person in all of this there's i'll rephrase the two people in all of this who are truly good-natured and trying to do good end up having to slink off where no one can find them I, it's it's so well done. And for that, I'm, I'm that just, I mean, Humberdinger and the kid on the skate line skateboard. <laughs> it's it's so well done that you don't realize how fast it's going, right? You, you're left at the end like, oh my god, that's it. Like I'm not going to get any more of this right now. You know, even though they might do another series about it or they might do another one oh, later. Well, they are doing. Are they? It's actually being created and done right now. 
when you run to the end of it, you're like, shit, I'm going to have to run that again. It's, I, I'm actually on my, like, third time through it. Yeah, I've, I've, I did it twice. I, I did um, it once by myself and then looked at my teenager who is, you know, your neck of the woods as far as artistic and kind of went, you need to watch this. I don't know, oh, Dad, it doesn't re- No, 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 no. You need as an artist, to you need to see this. it. Yeah. And 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 when the whole thing ended, the last moment, she turned to me and looked at me and went, it, "No, no, no, that can't be it. That can't be it." I'm like, yep, that's it. My my daughter did the same thing to me with uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. She's like, "Is there another one?" I'm like, "Nope." <laughs> Soon. <laughs> Soon. In a year or two, you know, and then COVID and everything. But I I can't watch this too much. I honestly can't because the art being as good as it does frustrates me because I know that I will never be that good. You know, I, I don't know. It, it, it's sort of It's sort of like looking at something so beautiful and knowing that you can't make another one. And it just kind of hurts you a little bit. Uh, that's what watching Arcane does to me. Not, it's not being an artist, I come from it from a different direction. I come at it originally story wise, and it is just as beautiful story wise. And then, yeah. and then look at the art and go, not only is this a beautiful story, but someone made this beautiful to look at as well. I very rarely does something like this is. To me, as an artist, this is like there was um, there's several things that made me want to become an artist. Final Fantasy VII was one of those. Just seeing it for the first time and understanding that that could happen. Uh, there was a comic book called Gen Thirteen. Oh was, God, I love that one. Oh my God, you're the, like the only one I've ever known who who collected that. <laughs> um, the worst part about it is, is and I know I can go on Amazon and 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 buy it, but I'm cheap. Do we have a used bookstore here i keep going and look going through their graphic novel section just trying desperately to find it and it, and, uh, they, they, and i could go back and buy each individual issue if i wanted to but i just want the graphic novel damn it gen gen 13 was was so great scott campbell was just a a, a fantastic or j scott campbell um fantastic artist fantastic artist it, it made me want to become to go to art school it really did. There's a there. I, the other one from that generation that that I absolutely adored was Pitt. Oh God! Uh, <laughs> Not, knock off Hulk, I know, but still. Yeah. Um, also, Spawn uh, was in there for me. Um, there was there was just this this great stuff. But yeah, that in, style in of art. Image comics at that point in time was about as innovative as comic books could be. Oh yeah. Um, also, uh, and I know there are people who will fight me for that statement, but yeah, I'm also a big fan of Top Cow. Well, um, but no, but see, that's that's later. Top Cow, if you remember, came out from a bunch of people from Image getting pissed off and leaving Image. And leaving, yeah, and then you get Witchblade and and you know stuff like that. So I I I just it was so good and uh still to this day hanging in my office is the top cow girls the three son the giant poster that beef gave me that i coveted uh when i was at his place because it was it was like the perfect um the the perfect encapsulation of kind of fairchild witchblade and who else you said there was three uh evo 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and and I I was I mean I mean it was Sylvester and and I mean I just like in in Ebos and I just just such great artists and everything. But when you look at Arcane, all that to say, when you look at Arcane, you look at something and go, ah. That is the perfected form of this vision. That's what this is. And it was incredibly graceful and elegant and well done. And I was in awe. And I can't watch it too many times because it makes me sad because I can't do it. I (laughs) I cannot make that. My kid was trying to decide whether or not she was going to go into performing arts or animation and, and art in that fashion. I'm 99.9% sure. Now, she won't admit it to me because, God forbid, her father be right about anything. I'm 99.9% sure that Into the Spider-Verse is what actually pushed her towards animation. Well, if you're going to pick a, an art form, I mean, that's that's one of the most pure and, and basically flawless expressions of animation uh, we have as an example in the last 10 years, I would honestly say. It is. I mean, you could hold that up to anything and come out ahead with that one. I mean, it's it's really up there. Um, that and it was a brilliant story, voiced to perfection by professionals who were picked by the inspiration of Crom. So I, I mean, if you're gonna pick one, that's the one to pick for crying out loud. So yeah, I don't blame her. <laughs> I don't blame her at all. Anything else? God, no. We've been yamming around for about two hours now. We should... <laughs> we're good. Well, then uh, I'll end as I normally do. If we're still here next week, we'll see you then. <laughs>